the second campaign. In 211 BC, the Roman Senate sent Gaius Nero to Hispania with 6,000 Roman and 6,000 Allied infantry, as well as 300 Roman and 600 Allied cavalries. He landed at Terraco, marched to the Ebro, and took over by force of Tiberius Fontanus and Lucius Mercis. He then advanced against the enemy and occupied the two exits of the pass to Lapidus Atri, which is also known as the Black Boulders, in Astrobanian territory, where Hasdrubal was encamped, thus shutting him in. Hasdrubal promised that he would take his army out of Hispania if Nero let him out of the position and asked him to, for talks the next day to put the terms in writing, which Nero accepted. Hasdrubal made, made the talks drag on for days. Meanwhile, his army gradually sn snuck out of the pass at night Finally, he hit. He left too. Nero pursued him and offered battle, but he declined. Tribes in Hispania, who had revolted after the defeat of the two Scipios, showed no signs of restoring their allegiance. They decided to send a new commander-in-chief and increase the army in Hispania. There was uncertainty about the appointment, which demanded exceptional care. They decided to put the matter to vote of the people. Publius Cornelius Scipio, the son of the nephews of the two Scipios who had died in Hispania, who was only 24 and had not held high office, put his candidacy forward. He was elected unanimously. Livy did not explain the reason for the decision or this unprecedented election of a man below the required age of command. Scipio sent off with a force he had formed out of the old army in Spain and reinforcements of 10,000 infantry and 1,000 cavalries. Given his youth, Marcus Junius Silanus was appointed as his second-in-command to assist him. Scipio landed at Emporia near Pyrenees, marched to Terraco, and took over the army of Gallius Nero. He was met by envoys for all, from all the friendly tribes. They reported that the tribes were unsettled due to the changing fortunes of the war. He visited these tribes and praised them for holding on after terrible blows and for keeping the enemies to within of the Ebro and depriving them of any advantages from their victories. He inspected the winter quarters. After his return to Terraco, Marcus Silenius succeeded Nero and his troops were sent into the winter quarters. The Carthaginians' armies withdrew to their winter quarters, Hasdrubal to Gedes on the south of coast, Mego inland, Castulo and Hasdrubal Barca near Sanctium. In 210 BC, Scipio sent his ships and troops to the mouth of the Ebro and brought an allied contingent of 5,000 men. He crossed the Ebro with 25,000 infantry and 2,500 cavalries and left Silenius in charge north of Ebro with 3,000 infantry and 300 cavalries. Considering that he was not a match for the three Carthaginian armies together, he marched on Catago Nova, a major Carthaginian stronghold that held enemy war stores the war chest, and hostages from all over Hispania. It had, only, it had the only harbor in the area and could host a large fleet. He told his plan only to Gaius Laius, who was told the time of arrival of the fleet and, there's, and they were to coincide with, coincide with Scipio's army. Scipio pitched camp opposite the north side of the town. The rear had a double rampant and the front was protected by the terrain. The town was a promontory on the west side of an inlet, two and a half miles deep. On the west, it was enclosed by a shallow lagoon. An isthmus, a quarter of a mile, connected it with the mainland. Scipio lined up the ships in the harbor. Mago, 
protected, posted 2,000 townsfolk in the direction of the Roman camp and stationed 500 soldiers in the citadel and 500 on the top of the hill towards the east. The rest of the townsmen were kept in reserve. The townsmen headed towards the Roman camp. The Romans withdrew a short distance to get closer to the reinforcements who were sent there. Successive reinforcements put the enemy to a flight. The defenders of the, of the city, city wall left the fortifications. Schippo saw that in many places the walls had no defenders and ordered the ladders. The troops from the ships started to attack the seafront. The soldiers got in each, way, each other's way. Very few of the ladders were long enough to reach the top of it, and the longest ones were too weak. Many men fell to the ground, and the retreat was sounded. Schippo ordered the freshmen to grab the ladders. Fishermen and Terrico had told him it was too easy to, to approach the wall on, a, on foot at low tide. The tide was receding, and the strong wind made the lagoon even shallower. The open the, this opened the path of the walls to the Romans. Shippo took 500 men to the water. They ascended on the part of the wall was easy. There was no fortifications and no guards. The defenders were con concentrated on the land side. The men entered the city without opposition and went to the gate where the fighting was. Caught by surprise, the defenders gave up. The gate was battered from both sides and smashed. The soldiers marched to the forum. Some of the enemies went to a garrison hill to the east and the town, and some went to the citadel. The hill was taken at the first assault. Magu then surrounded the citadel. The victory was of great strategic importance. It shifted the theater of war. Shippo broke out of the area the Romans had been confined to, took the war enemy to the territory, and extended Roman control to an area close to the valley of the river Betis, which crossed the southern Hispania. The Romans never fought on the east coast again. Shippo also captured the Carthaginians' arsenal and his treasure restored the city. Eighty ships, 120 of the latest catapults, and 281 smaller ones, 23 larger and 52 smaller but ballistae crossbow-like catapults, made larger and stronger scorpions. And, men, and many other weapons were captured. So were large quantities of gold and silver. 63 merchant ships were seized in the harbor. Their cargo include, included grain, weapons, bronze, ship timber, linen, and escaparto, used to make ropes. Pursuing good relations with the locals, Shippo released the citizens of the town among the 10,000 free men captured and restored their property. The non-citizens and the slaves were recruited as oarsmen, and 2,000 craftsmen were made public slaves who would be freed if they made war equipment for the Romans. Scipio arranged for the hostages, which Carthaginians had kept, to bind the tribes to themselves, to be collected by their relatives and friends. The wife of Mendonius and the daughters of Intibilis, the chief of the Iligardes, were among them. An example of Scipio's effort to establish good relations with the locals can be seen in the story of a young woman who had been captured. He learnt that she had been betrothed to Lucius, a young Celtiberian noble. He sent for her parents and her betrothed. He told the latter that his beloved had been treated respectfully, that she had been reserved for him, and that she had been given to him unviolated. In return, he asked him to be, to be a friend of Rome. Lucius replied that he could not could not make a return adequate to his feelings. The parents had brought gold for the ransom. When she 
was given freely, they begged Scipio to accept it as he as a gift. Since they insisted, he gave up gave it to Lucius as a wedding present. Back home, Lucius enlisted a, a body of his retainers and gave Scipio a picked force of fourteen hundred mountain men. Scipio sent Mago and the fifteen Carthaginian senators to Rome. When he returned to Taraco, he called an assembly of the allies, new and old. 209 BC, the command of Publius Cornelius Scipio and Marcus Junus Silanus was extended. Scipio continued to try to win over various tribes and restore those he had received their hostages. Edesso, the chieftain of the Adentae, who lived in today's northern Valencia, just south of Ebro, visited Scipio in Terraco. His wife and sons were in Scipio's hands. He wanted them to become the leader of the pro-Roman movement. He asked for his wife and children back and said he was the first chief to come to him. The others insisted instead were still interacting with the Carthaginians while reaching out to the Romans. If Scipio accepted his friendship, the other tribes would follow suit to recover their hostages and make alliance to Rome. Scipio agreed and the tribes north of the Ebro, who had been, not been friendly with the Romans, now joined them. Inobilis and Medionis, the chiefs of the Elegardes, who Publius described as two of the greatest princes in Hispania, abandoned Hasdrubal's camp. They had been the most trustworthy Carthaginian allies. However, on the pretext that they mistrusted them, Hasdrubal demanded a large sum of money and their wives and children as hostages. Publius noted that after their victory of over Rome, the Carthaginians treated the natives in the overbearing manner, and their subjects turned from friends to enemies. Hasdrubal realized that he had needed to make a bold move to stop the wastage. Shippo wanted to engage the Carthaginian commander separately. He advanced against Hasdrubal. It was while he was en route that he met by Indibilis and Montanus. Shippo handed over the daughters of the latter and was concluded with a treaty with them. They shared the Roman camp and acted as guides until the leaders, until they reached the enemy. Publius wrote that Hasdrubal had fallen out with the other Carthaginian commanders. This was one of the worries, along with the native desertion and the defection of the Indibilis. He decided to meet the enemy in the battle, and he had lost what he would retreat to Gaul, enlist the many natives as he could, and go to Italy to join his brother Hannibal. He was encamped near the town of Becula, in the area of Castul, near today's Linares, a high mountain area at the head of the valley of the river Betis, which crossed the southern Hispania. This led to the Battle of Becuda. According to the Publius, on hearing the, on the arrival of the Romans, he moved forward to his camp and placed it where his, near, his rear would be protected by a river and his front by a ridge. He kept a covering force on the ridge. Shippo saw the advantage position and camp and waited for two days and then he worried about the possible arrival of Mago and his Drubal, and took his chance. He sent his light infantry and picked contingent of heavy infantry against the, uh, the enemy force on the ridge. When Hasdrubal saw that these men were hard pressed he led his men to the ridge. Shippo sent the whole of his light infantry in support he led half of it, skirted the ridge, and the, left the enemy to be attacked. He ordered the rest of the same on the right. Hasdrubal was left was still leading his men on the camp. He had thought that his enemy would not attack, 
and his strong position and now with the sudden attack he deployed his troops too late at his wings he had not occupied the ground the roman wings succeeded in climbing the ridge they fell on the enemy who was still getting their into formation and forced them to flee hasdrubal took the war chest and his elephants gathered as many of the fugitives as he could and withdrew to the river tagus and followed towards the pass Pyrenees needed to cross into gaul as originally intended livy gave a different account of the battle there was a cavalry outpost before the enemy camp shippo sent a light armed vanguard from the front of the column against the, them before choosing a site for the camp the cavalry was forced back to their camp shippo pitched the camp his camp at night hasdrubal sent his troops to a hill that had a flat top a river behind it and a steep bank at the front of it in strides and sides beneath it a gently sloping lower area was surrounded by a ledge that was difficult to climb the next day the romans lined up and hasdrubal sent the nubian cavalry and the light armed balearic and african troops to the lower plain shippo sent a contingent to hold the entrance of the river valley and took to the block the road and the hill he then set off towards the light infantry in the lowest brow of the hill with his light armed men who had routed the enemy outpost the day before despite being almost overwhelmed by a lower a shower of javelins and stones and the difficulty of the ascent he was first to reach the top of the the lower level and as soon as he reached the lo the lever ground he dislodged the light armed en enemy who was skirmishes and was also unaccustomed to hand to hand fight they were driven against the line on the higher level of the hill shippo divided his men making a detour to the left and sending the rest led by laelis round to the right of the hill to find a less difficult ascent he charged the enemy enemy's right wing throwing it into disorder before it could be turned to face him meanwhile laelis reached the top of the other side the elephants panicked there was no space for a fight between the romans blocked the roads and the camp gate was obstructed by the fight of Hasdrubal and the chief officers. The enemy was routed and lost 8,000 men. There is a chronological discrepancy between the two writers. Publius placed these events in 208 BC, whereas Livy placed them in 209 BC. Livy said that he refused to think that Scipio remained idle in 209 BC. Both authors wrote that Scipio seized the camp and the prisoners were 10,000 infantry and 2,000 cavalry. Livy added that he sent the native ones home and told the African ones that that the native prisoners saluted him as king. Publius wrote that it was the tribes in the area who were still Carthaginian allies and now come to submit to the Romans who saluted him as king. Both wrote that he has said that he did not want to be called king and he wanted to be called imperator. This shows that Scipio was held in high regard. According to Publius, it was where the incendio made the obsidians. Livy added that Scipio gave presents to the Hispanic chieftains and invited Indibils to pick 300 of the captured horses. One of the African prisoners turned out to be the nephew of the Messina, the commander of the Numidian cavalry troops allied with the Carthaginians and the son of the king of Numidia. Scipio allowed him to return to his uncle and gave him an escort. Scipio considered that pursuing Han 
Hasdrubal was risky. Mago and the other Hasdrubal might join him. He sent a division to occupy the Pyrenees to observe the, moments, the movements of Hasdrubal. According to Livy, he spent the rest of the summer receiving the submission of the local tribes. According to Publius, the se this season was advanced and he w went to Cherico for the winter. The surviving fragments of Publius on these events end here. In Livy, a few days later, after the Battle of Becula, when Scipio had descended from the pass of Castula on the way to Terracotta, Hasdrubal, Gizgo, and Mago came to the forces with Hasdrubal. They were too late. They had held a council to discuss measures to continue the war. Hasdrubal, Gizgo considered that the people along the distant southern coast of Hispania were unaware of the Roman victories and were still faithful to Carthage. The two men thought that the moving their Hispanic troops to the further corner of Hispania or to Gaul would prevent the des desertions caused by Scipio's generous treatment of the locals. Without waiting for approval by the Carthaginian Senate, they decided that Hasdrubal Barca must proceed to Italy, thus removing all the Hispanic soldiers out of Hispania and far beyond the spell of Scipio's name. His, his army, weakened by losses and defections, was to be brought back to full strength. Mago was to hand over his army to Hasdrubal Gizgo and go to Balearic Isles to hire mercenaries there. Hasdrubal Gizgo was to go to Lysthenia and avoid the collisions with the Romans. A selected force of 3,000 cavalry was to be assembled and Messina to be driven to western Hispania to assist the friendly tribes and ravage hostile territories. The three commanders left to execute their task. In Livy's chronology, it appears that there was no fighting in Hispania in 208 BC. The command of Publius Scipio and Marcus Silanus was extended for one year, and Scipio was ordered to send 50 of the 80 ships he either brought to Hispania or captured from Cartago Nova to Sardinia due to concerns about the Carthage preparing naval attacks against Italy, Sicily, and Sardinia. Livy resumed his resumed his account of events in Hispania by noting that the ex expedition of Hasdrubal shifted to the burden of war to Italy and brought relief to Hispania. In 207 BC, war was suddenly renewed in that country, which was quite as formidable as the previous one. Hasdrubal Gizgo had withdrawn to Gades by the Strait of Gibraltar, and the Scipio controlled the, the east coast. A new commander, Hanno, replaced Hasdrubal Barca and brought a fresh army from Africa. He marched to Celtabria in east-central Hispania, next to Roman territory, and raised a large army. Scipio sent Salinas with 10,000 infantry and 500 cavalry against him. His progress was hampered by bad roads and narrow mountain passes. Some Celtiberian deserters acted as guides, and he found the location of the enemy. When he was 10 miles away, he was told there was two camps along the road. The one on the left had 9,000 Celtiberians, and the one on the right had the Carthaginians. The latter had outposts, outposts and the usual precautions. The former was undisciplined and poorly guarded. Selenius decided to attack the Celtiberians first and kept to the left to elude the Carthaginian outposts. Selenius got three miles from the camp unnoticed. He stopped in a valley where he could not be seen prepared for battle and advanced. The enemy was caught by surprise. Mago had heard the shouts and went to take charge of this camp. The main Celtibrian strength was 4,000 men with shields and 2,000 cavalry. Mago placed them up at the front and kept the rest, who had lightly armed 
and reserve. He came out of the camp, but there was a shower of javelins when they were they had hardly crossed the rampart. The Celtibrians stopped to avoid them and threw theirs. The Romans overlapped their shields and as protection and closed up, starting a sword-to-sword fight. The Romans instead were used to stationary combat, and, the, and their only inconvenience was that their ranks were sometimes broken when moving through narrow places or sh patches of brushwork. There they, were, they had to fight sing singly or in pairs. However, these obstacles also obstructed the enemy's fight. When the Celtobrines were almost defeated, they were joined by the Carthaginian light infantry from the other camp. Both were defeated. Only 2,000 infantry and all the cavalry escaped with Mago, almost at the beginning of the battle. Hanno, the second in command, was captured along with those who had joined the battle when it was almost over. Those who escaped reached Hasdrubal in the area of Gades. The newly recruited Celtobrines went back home. The victory stopped the Celtobrines from siding with the Carthage. Scipio advanced into Bastega to confront Hasdrubal Gizgo, who was the encampment in the area and secured the loyalty of his allies. Because of Scipio's advance, he went back to Gades and distributed his forces to various towns for their protection. When Scipio saw this, he sent his brother, Lucius Scipio, with 10,000 infantry and 1,000 cavalry to attack Orgoni, a town in Mesesis, the richest city in the area. Hasdrubal had used it as his base to make incursions into the inland tribes. Livy wrote the Mesesis was a tribe of the Bastini. However, this is doubtful. Lucius Scipio encamped near the city and sent men to try to persuade the townsfolk to side with the Romans. This failed, and he built a double line of circumvallation and formed his army into three divisions to rotate the military tasks. When the first division advanced, there was a desperate fight. Lucius Scipio withdrew, and it was brought forward to the other two. The townsfolk withdrew from the wall and Carthaginian garrison, thinking that the town was, had been betrayed, formed a compact body. The townsfolk, fearing a massacre if the Romans broke through, opened up one of the city gates, went out, held their shields in the case of a javelin attack, and showed their empty right hands to point out that they had no swords. This was a misunderstood, and they were attacked and cut down as though they were a hostile enemy. The Romans entered through the open gate and smashed the other ones. There was no bloodshed and no plundering. The enemy lost 2,000 men, and the Romans lost 90. Publius Schippo considered the capture of Orgonas as a great an achievement at his own capture of Cartago Nova. With Winter approaching, he withdrew from the southern Hispania, sent the troops to winter quarters and his brother to Rome, and he wintered in Terraco. In 206 BC, Hasdrubal Gizco, whom Livy described as the greatest and most brilliant commander who held command in this war, had moved from Gades to renew the war. He conducted levies with the help of Mago, the son of Hamilcar, and had 50,000 infantry and 4,500 cavalry. Livy noted that some of the sources wrote that he had 70,000 infantry, as Drupal and Mago encampment in a wide and open plain suitable for battle near a town that Livy called Silipa, but Publius called Ilpca, ten miles north of Hispania, and one right bank on the river Betis. Scipio felt that he could not face a large army without the native auxiliaries to give an appearance of greater strength, but he did not want to rely on them too much in case the change sides like what happened to his uncle. 
Kulichas, who had authority over 28 towns, had promised a force of infantry and cavalry. Marcus Junius Silanus was sent to fetch him. Shippo marched from Terraco to Castulu, picking up small forces from the friendly tribes along the way. He was joined by Silanus, where there with Kukulus, 3,000 infantry and 5,500 cavalry. His entire army had 5,500 men. Livy wrote that Shippo advanced them to meet and the enemy took up position near Bakula. Livy's writing gives the impression that the skirmishes that developed into a full battle that he described at Bakula. However, this is not the case. Livy wrote that the Carthaginian commanders were encampment near Silipia, which was 130 miles further west. Livy did not mention a long march by these commanders. Therefore, there is no explanation as to why Mago and Numidius would have attacked Scipo at Bakula. Moreover, he also wrote that the enemy encampment there on level ground, which was suitable for battle, whereas Bakula was not because on level ground and was not suitable for this kind of battle that followed. In the account of Publius Scipo left Castulu with the whole army, and when he got near the Carthaginians and was in full sight of them, he encamped on a certain low hills opposite to the enemy. There was no mention of Bakula. Thus, this must have been Lippa, and both authors described was the Battle of Lippa. In Publius, Scipo found the situation embarrassing because the Allied troops he had were not enough for him to risk a battle, and it seemed dangerous to rely on the support of allies and the promise to be a decisive engagement. He was forced by circumstances to employ the natives, whose role would be impressed the enemy. The actual fighting would be down to the legions. Livy wrote that the, while encamping, Scipio was attacked by Mago and Messina with the whole of their cavalry. Publius specified that Mago, though it favorable to attack while the Romans were preparing their camp, and that he would catch Scipio off guard. However, Scipio anticipated this and placed his cavalry, which was equal in numbers, under a hill. Caught by surprise, those who came close to the lines were attacked. The parties digging the Roman entrenchments were routed. In Livy, the engagement with the other Carthaginians who were advancing in order to was a decisive for a long time, which is Publius the Carthaginians' resistance was short. In Livy, the light infantry came out from the outposts and the entrenchment parties picked their weapons. More and more men came to relieve the wearied soldiers. The enemy withdrew in an orderly manner, but when they pressed further, they fled. Skirmishes between cavalry and light infantry on both sides to test each other's strength lasted for several days. After this, both sides lined up for battle in front of their camp until sunset then returned to their camp. They repeated this for several days. As both sides had gone, had their own troops in the center of the native auxiliaries in the wings, Shippo thought, thought that if it was assumed that this would be the order of battle. Therefore, he changed the lineup for the day he intended to fight, placing the Romans on the wings. Publius was more specific. He wrote that Scipo used the two strategies, both consistent of acting in opposite of the Carthaginians. One was a change of his lineup, and the other was the timing of the battle. Hasdrubal repeatedly lined up the Africans in the center to oppose the Romans and the Hispanics on the wings, with the elephants in front of them. He drew up his men at a later hour. In the pre-battle moves, Scipo had done the same. For the battle, instead, he drew up at dawn and lined up 
the Romans on the wings and the Hispanics in the center. These two stratagems much contributed to the victory of his own army and the discomfiture of the enemy. Shippo sent messages to his officers to have breakfast, get armed, and march out of camp. In Livy, the messages were given the previous evening. In Publius, this happened as soon as it was light. Livy also mentioned that the horses being fed, bitted, and saddled, and the cavalry got fully armed. Shippo sent out the, the cavalry and the light infantry. In Publius, they got close to the army's camp and then threw javelins. In Livy, they attacked the enemy's outposts. Shippo then advanced with the heavy infantry as the sun was rising. When he reached the middle of the plain, he lined up the, his men and as in the mentioned opposite way around. The Carthaginians, Carthaginians scarcely had time to arm themselves and they had to deploy with prepara without preparation and without having had breakfast. In Livy, the enemy cavalry went out to respond to the Roman preliminary attack. In Publius, the light infantry was also sent out. Then the heavy infantry was drawn up on level ground close to the foot of the hill in the usual order. The cavalry fight went on for some time without either side getting the advantage. Both sides were in turn driven back, withdrew among their infantry, and then resumed the attack. When the two infantry forces were half a mile from each other, Schiphol recalled his cavalry and the infantry at the center of opened up passages to let them through. Schippo then divided them into two bodies, which he placed behind the wings as a reserve. It was time for the battle proper, and he ordered the Hispanics in the center of the event slowly. He extended the right wing he commands, commanded to the right and got the left wing to extend to the left. In other words, the wings were stretched outwards. They had three cohorts of infantry, three troops of cavalry, and the light infantry. The light infantry had, had, and the cavalry were engaged to the enemy before the two centers had time to close. They were led at a rapid pace, which led center followed the, them obliquely. The Roman line curved inwards towards the center because of the low, slower advance of the Hispanic authorities. By this time, the wings were already engaged. The enemy center with the main strength of the enemy the veteran Carthaginians and Africans had yet not yet come within range. They did not dare to leave their lines to help the wings for fear of being exposed to the advancing enemy center. The allied wings of the Carthaginians were pressed by a pincer attack as the Roman cavalry and light infantry turned around and made an attack on the flanks. While the heavy infantry was charging at the front, trying to detach them from the center. Publius gave other details about Shippo's maneuvers. The Roman infantry was inactive during the indecisive fight between the light infantry. Shippo then placed the light infantry behind the heavy infantry and in front of the horses. He made a direct frontal advance, but when a distance of four stades, which is 630 to 700 meters, he ordered the center to proceed at the same speed and got to the right wing to the turn right and the left wing to turn left. He advanced on the enemy wings and with, with his wings at a rapid pace, moving them in a mentioned directions with the light infantry in front followed by the cavalry and three menables of heavy infantry. Meanwhile, the center advanced in a straight line at a slower pace. When he got close, he fell directly on the enemy's wings. The two wings turned into the opposite directions towards the enemy wings. After this, the light infantry and the cavalry at the front of the 
right wing turned right, and the heavy infantry at the rear turned left. The front was to outflank the enemy, while the rear was to attack frontally. On the left wing, the front turned left and the rear turned right. As a result, the right of the front of both wings became their top. Schippo led the right wing, and Lucius Marcius and Marcus, Marcus Silenus led the left wing. The elephants were attacked by the missiles of the cavalry and harassed on the other side of the light infantry. In distress, they caused as much damage to the Carthaginian wings as to the enemy. They destroyed all, friend or foe, who came in their way. The infantry on the wings were broken. The center was of no use because they could not leave their line to help the wings because of the advance of the native auxiliaries of the Romans. At the same time, they could not operate effectively in their position because the f enemy in front of them could, would not engage. The wings kept up the fight for some time because the outcome of the battle depended on the fight on these two sides. As the day got hotter, the Carthaginians grew faint as they had not been able to prepare themselves properly, while at the same time the best troops of the Romans were engaging the weaker troops of the enemy. The Carthaginians at first withdrew step by step, but then gave way in a body and withdrew to the front of the hill when the Romans renewed their pressure, they fled to root their camp. Then it started raining so heavily that the Romans had to make their way to the camp with difficulty. Only four fragments of Publius's account of this battle had survived, and the information we have from here ends here. Livy Alt wrote that the battle was not evenly matched to Hispanic auxiliaries of the Carthaginians having to fight against the Rome, Romans and Latin allies. He added that as the days were, were on, the strength of the Carthaginians began to fail because they had not had a chance to have breakfast. Shippo had delayed the beginning of the battle proper for that reason. His charge started only after noon. The battle reached the center of considerably later, so the noon heat... The strain of the standing under arms, hunger, and thirst weakened the Carthaginians and Africans before they started fighting. By then, the elephants had been put into a panic, and the action of the light infantry had shifted from the wings and the center. The weakened center retreated, keeping their ranks on the seeing this. The Romans charged even harder on all sides. Hasdrubal tried to hold the line, but in the end his men fled up the hill behind them, then to their camp. The camp would have been taken had it not been for the extraordinary downpour. During the night, the Carthaginians raised their earthwork with their local stones, however their allies had been deserting, starting with the Atenes, prince of the Turdeni, who lived along the south bank of the river Betis. Two fortified towns were handed over to the Romans with their garrisons. Fears of widespread desertions led Hasdrubal to move his camp the following night. Shippo sent his cavalry on the pursuit and followed his, with his army. They took a shorter route along the river Betis on the advance, advice of the guides so they could attack him if they tried to ford. Finding the river close to him, Hasdrubal hurried towards the coast. The cavalry of the Romans and the light infantry slowed him down, attacking the flank at the rear of his army, forcing him to stop and repulse his first cavalry and then the light infantry until he fled to the nearest hills with 6,000 men, many of whom were unarmed. The rest were killed or captured. The Carthaginians hastily improv improvised an entrenchment on top of the hill 
and had the Romans did not attempt the steep ascent. However, the area was barren and unsuitable to sustain a siege. There were many desertions, as Drubal, who was not far from the coast, called the first ships and fled at night. Scipio left Marcus Salinas to continue with the siege of 10,000 infantry and 1,000 cavalry and returned the rest of the force to the Terracom. Along the way, he checked his disposition of the tribal chiefs so they could be rewarded as they deserved. Masinissa came to the secret understanding with Marcus Salinas and went to Africa to induce his people to defect to Rome. He would remain loyal to Rome for the rest of his life. Hasdrubal sailed to Geddes in the ship that Mago had sent back for him, and the rest abandoned army broke up. Some went over to Rome, and others dispersed among the nearby tribes. The Carthaginians were expelled from Hispania. Marcus Salinas went back to Shippo and reported that the end of the war. Shippo undertook a forced march from Terraco to Cartonova. Then he led left for Africa and pursued an alliance with the Symphax in preparation for a campaign against Carthage in today's Tunisia. He left Marcus Salinius and Lucius Marcus in charge of Terraco and Cartago Nova. After conducting a treaty, he returned to Cartago Nova. He, left, he felt that the time to punish Castulu and Ilturu had arrived. They had defected to Carthage when the two Skippos died. The later betrayed and forced to death, put to death the fugitives from the Roman roots. Shippo sent Lucius Marcellus with a third of the force to besiege Castulu, and he marched to Illigoma himself. He besieged the town. Attacks on the city walls were repeatedly repulsed, but the city eventually fell. Some African deserters, who were now serving with the Romans, saw the highest part of the city, which was protected by steep cliffs and was left undefended and unfortified. The, they climbed the cliff using iron hooks as steps and entered the town which the Romans had already seized. Resentment led to the massacre of everyone, including women and children. And what was not burnt was destroyed. Shippo then went to Castulu, which was defended by Iberians from other places and the remnants of the Carthaginian army. There was a discord between the Iberians and the Carthaginians. The commander of the latter betrayed the city and prevented a slaughter. Lucius Marseus was sent to control these tribes that were not yet been subju subjugated. He crossed the river Betis. Two cities surrendered. However, Astapaca was a Carthaginian ally, hated the Romans, and carried out brigadade raids on the neighbors who were Roman allies and captured the Roman traders. When the Romans got close, the townsfolk piled up their most precious possessions in a heap, got their wives and children to sit up on top, and put wood around them. Fifty men were put on the, their guard. Then they opened the gates and made a sortie. A few cavalry were sent against them, and they were routed. The Roman veterans charged, but the enemy was determined to die and did not give ground. The Romans extended their line and outflanked them. The townsfolk fought into a compact body and were all killed. In the town, the women and children were burnt by the guards, who then threw themselves into the fire. After accepting the surrender of the remaining cities, Lucius Marseus returned to Cartago Neva. Deserters from the Gades came and promised to betray the city, the Carthaginian garrison, and the ships in the harbor. Mago had gathered a considerable force. Mago had gathered a considerable force. 
Some of them were brought from Africa, across the strait, and some were brought from Hanau, from the nearby tribes. Shippo sent Lucius Marcus with some light infantry and contingents, and Gaius Lehus with eight ships. Scipio fell ill, and there were rumors that he had died. Mandanonus and Inibilis called on their people to revolt, raised a Celtiberian force, and ravaged the lands of the Susistati and Sedati, who were Roman allies. There was a mutiny of Roman soldiers in the camp near Circo, today, or on today's river, Jucar, south of Valencia. They were unhappy that they, they were still in Hispania, even though the war had ended and demanded their pay. Soldiers gave the command of the camp to their chief ringleaders of the mutiny, two common soldiers. When confirmation of the Shippo's death did not arrive, the ringleaders were abandoned by their followers. Shippo sent seven officers to announce that he was alive and well. They told the soldiers that their demand for pay was reasonable and that they would be put it to Shippo, who sent collectors along among the tributary tribes to raise the money for this. Shippo then summoned soldiers to New Carthage to receive their pay. The ringleaders were executed and soldiers were reprimanded and then given their pay. In the meantime, Lucius Marseus defeated Hanno, Mago's pre pre prefect, who had been sent from Gades with a small force of Africans to hire local mercenaries and armed 4,000 young men. Hanno escaped. Gaius Lysias' ships reached Cartier in the Bay of Gibraltar. Some men offered to surrender to Gades, but the plot was discovered and Mago arrested them and sent them to Carthage in a convoy of ships. When this passed of the Strait of Gibraltar, Laelus pursued it. There was a battle made chaotic by the current. Four Carthaginian ships were sunk and five fled to Africa. Back on shore, Laelus learned that the plot had been discovered. He and Lucius Marseus agreed that they were wasting time and returned to Cartago Neva. Mago sent news of the mutiny of the Roman camp and the illegal for revolt to Carthage for urged to aid he had sent to reconquest Hispania. Mondonius and Ibelis, who had withdrawn, resumed hostilities with 20,000 infantry and 2,500 cavalry and attacked Sidentia. Shippo marched on them and he got near their camp, which was in a narrow valley. He sent some cattle towards it and hid the cavalry behind a mountain spur. It was to change it was to charge when the light infantry engaged the enemy in a skirmish. The enemy rushed and sieged the cattle. There was some skirmishing and the sword fight started the cavalry came in. It made a frontal attack and some of the cavalrymen went round to the foot of the mountain to cut off the retreat of the enemy. There was more slaughter than a usual skirmish. The next day, the enemy lined up for a battle at dawn. Due to the valley being narrow, part of the, the men were on the slope of the hill rather than in the plain. Fighting on a narrow front was more adapted to Roman tactics. The enemy line could not fight a full strength and their cavalry was rendered useless. The Roman cavalry went was sent to make full detour, detour around the hill because it would not have room to outflank the enemy. Shippo quickly led the charge of the infantry so the maneuver would not be noticed. The cavalry reached the enemy rear and there were two separate fights because the narrowness of the valley prevented a link-up. The Roman infantry routed the enemy infantry which would not rely on the support of the cavalry. The enemy was slaughtered and only troops on the hill which were not fought managed to escape. The Romans lost 2,000 men and 3,000 were wounded. 3,000 of the enemy were sieged. 
Indibilis begged for clemency and pleaded his loyalty if he'd be spared a second time. Shippo replied that he would spare him, but that if he revolted again, he would feel the weight of his arm. He imposed an indemnity to pay his troops. Scipio sent Marcus Salinas to Terraco and Lucius Marcus to southern Hispania. He then joined the latter as he was approaching the coast. Scipio wanted to go to the Gades to meet Messina and conclude an alliance with him. Lucius Marcus informed Messina that Scipio was coming. Messina persuaded Mago to let him go to the mainland to, for some plundering. When the two men met Messina, thanked Scipio for sending his nephew back to him, pledged his help if Rome sent Scipio to Africa. He thought that if he did, Carthage would be defeated. Scipio then returned to Terraco. Mago lost all hope that Hispania for preparing the leave. His, he received orders from Carthage to take his fleet to Gades to Italy, raise an army, and assist Hannibal there. Sailing along the coast, he landed the force near Cartago, Nova, and plundered the nearest fields. Then he took his fleet to the city, thinking that, he was held, that it was held only by a small Roman garrison, and hoping for support of the townsfolk. He attacked the city wall. The city gate was opened, and the Romans burst out. Thrown into confusion, the enemy fled, was pursued to the shores, and suffered heavy losses. They were rescued by the ships. Those who tried to swim to the ships could not see them and drowned. When Mago returned to the Gaddies, the city gates were closed to him. He anchored nearby and complained. He was told that the townsfolk had done this because they were angry about the pillaging by the soldiers when they embarked. Mago summoned the town officials and were executed. Then he went to the Balearic Islands to winter there. He was repulsed by the inhabitants of the bigger island. He went on to the smaller island, which did not have a strong defenses, and wintered there.